0: I I can't stand being lied to. I mean, I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with, and I just want to go in. You know, I got a job to do. Our drivers have jobs to do, and we're supposed to be in this thing together. And if you make a mistake, just let us know right away. I've had guys, you you pull them in or you stop on the side of the road and ask for the logbook, and they say, hey, man, it's not current. I forgot to update it until I saw your lights come on. I didn't want to be right when you walked up here. We prefer that much more than the guy who's – Trying to lean over and scribble in his logbook as we're walking up to the to the truck.
1: This week marks this year's Operation Safe Driver Week. The week when motor carrier-focused law enforcement departments and jurisdictions around North America turn their attention in part to the motoring public and its driving behavior around commercial vehicles. Yeah, in part. The advice you heard at the top of this Overdrive Radio podcast edition came through the voice of the Kansas Highway Patrol's Nick Wright, a trooper who also leads training programs around the state on the various uh, inspection levels and other commercial, commercial enforcement programs and is active in the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, or CVSA. He's also a public information officer there in Kansas. I'm Todd Dills. And my talk with Wright was conducted in early March, the stage for the call being the road check event that was then scheduled for May. And at the start of our conversation, I noted research I'd been doing that revolved around monthly inspection totals for each individual state. The month of June in 2019, when road check was held, and it's been in June uh, most years prior to that too, I saw that for that month, uh, for most states, it was a big month for inspections. You may have seen this charted as part of the level three survival story we uh, published at overdriveonline.com last week. All in all, 36 of the 48 continental United States last year performed an above average number of monthly inspections during the road check month of June. Some were far above their monthly norms, such as Rhode Island with a 121% jump. Kansas itself, I noted to Nick Wright, was about 15% higher. That sounds that sounds about right. I didn't check that number
0: specifically. Our yeah, overall numbers, though, for the whole year were about the same.
2: Generally, I think, um, and you probably uh, can attest this in conversations with other states, it just looks like inspection numbers are generally higher in the warm weather months.
0: I would agree with that for the most part as far as the level 1s and level 2s, but the yeah. level 3s, we still do those and we still work throughout the year but the joke always is that uh, a good cop doesn't get hot cold wet you know those sort of things so (laughs) uh, I'm not a cold weather fan myself so there's a lot of times if it's zero degrees or a blowing wind chill uh, if I'm not working crashes or doing something else if I'm going to do trucks I'm probably just going to be doing a level 3 versus a level 1 I'm not going to freeze out there for it you know unless it's just something that's an imminent hazard that I need to take care of.
1: As I said earlier, Wright and I were talking the first weeks of March in the context of what was then still officially scheduled for May, the Road Check Inspection event. During that event, the full level one driver and vehicle inspection is what often enough gets to be the focus, with inspections conducted at way stations being the biggest contributor to CVSA's after the facts accounting. Before the May event was postponed though, CVSA had named the theme of the annual event as driver-related violations, more or less. From medical certification status to ELDs and hours of service, the things hit on by those level three inspections that Wright invoked, the driver-only inspections. That just so happens to to also be the inspection level that CVSA rep Chris Turner invoked in reporting you may have also seen last week around the Operation Safe Driver Week event. Turner noted a level three is the inspection most likely to accompany any roadside stop, which uh, this week's event uh, takes as its focus. I thought of course about this conversation with Wright from March, whose principal insights today have plenty directly to do with the level three inspection. So let's go back in time to early March. The entire state of Kansas had just three confirmed cases of COVID-19 and as Nick Wright put it, as in my hometown of Nashville,
0: Soap, hand sanitizer, and toilet paper are uh, hot commodities around here. So.
1: I asked Wright how he'd come to where he is as the lead motor carrier safety assistance program officer for training in Kansas as part of the highway patrol there. He took it back to the, his very entry into law enforcement and along the way answered the following questions. What are best practices for annotations of the log in an ELD when errors are made on the drive line, which can't be edited in an ELD? What's the best inspection preparation advice he could give a driver beyond what's obvious? The state's actually run out of those CVSA clean inspection stickers and much more besides. Here we go.
0: Well, I actually got into law enforcement uh, when I was 13 years old. The day after Christmas, I bought a police scanner. And after that, I was hooked really at 13, 14 years (laughs) old. And I was a police explorer, which is kind of part of uh, kind of the Boy Scouts of America, actually. But it's they have different types of explorer posts for police, fire, medical, all sorts of things. And I was in the police explorers for about seven years. Um, right after high school, I dispatched for a, a large metropolitan city doing police and fire dispatch for about four years. Um, in the interim, I also did the fire service for a short time with a volunteer fire department for a couple of years and. Took some uh, classes through our VOTech in high school and got, I was a certified firefighter and emergency medical technician, but the fire thing just doesn't, it wasn't really my forte at that time. I liked the fire part, but not the medical side. And so I continued to seek the law enforcement side. So after being a dispatcher for about four years, I got on with the municipal agency here on the Kansas side. I grew up over in Missouri. And ended up working for them for about three years. And in that time, I got to know some Kansas troopers. And it rekindled my desire to be a trooper, which is what I wanted to do when I was a teenager, back when I was about 14 or 15. And, and so I decided to go for it and got hired on the highway patrol. Um, so I have got about 18 years in law enforcement total, 15 with the highway patrol. And about a year after graduating the highway patrol academy, I went to our commercial vehicle training the initial two-week course got certified as a road trooper to inspect trucks and kind of found that it was my niche really and and kind of enjoyed it and uh, kind of enjoyed the technical side of it a little bit that it really is pretty technical there's a lot of things to it and i i kind of saw some things roadside and things even just with other with other people I knew and worked with that I knew weren't the correct way of doing things. And I thought, well, maybe if I got into this full-time, at some point I could teach it and maybe head off those things from the classroom level and teach guys to do it the right way. And so after about, let's see, about seven years of uh, being on the highway patrol, I came over to our commercial vehicle unit full-time, and that's where I've been for eight years now. And pretty quickly after getting into the unit, one of the guys asked me if I was interested in teaching, so I kind of started being mentored by him, which ultimately led to his retirement here a few years ago, but I was fortunate enough to have about uh, five or six years of him mentoring me into that position and and kind of getting me up to speed as an instructor. So I currently teach, uh, I'm certified through the National Training Center, which is part of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. I teach four of our five roadside courses, which is part B, which is the hands-on, nuts and bolts aspect of it, and then I teach our three hazmat courses, general, cargo tank, and other bulk, and then I'm a master instructor also, so basically that means I help new instructors, uh, mentor them, kind of coach them along, and help them develop as new instructors and get to kind of travel the country doing some things like that, and I'm really fortunate to be able to do that. I got to teach in Hawaii a couple years ago even, so it's a pretty cool gig.
2: I imagine things are a little different out there in terms of uh, the equipment in, in Hawaii. Uh, somewhere they in Hawaii. are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they are, yeah, and there's a few different rules. When you're talking hazmat, some different things kind of come up that um, you don't think of here in the mainland quite as much as far as things coming by vessel, and just about everything they have comes by vessel, so it changes a few things in the hazmat world.
2: Right, yeah. right. Um, so, road check, is that... Um, do you participate in that in Kansas? Are you out uh, inspecting trucks with uh, fellow troopers, or um, I, kind of overseeing I plans for it? Anything? Yeah.
0: Well, I'm a I'm a trooper. I'm not a supervisor, so I don't necessarily oversee the plans on that yeah. or anything. It's it's pretty much we've done it for so long now. It's a pretty well-oiled machine. We've done it different ways where we've brought everybody, all of our commercial vehicle guys, which is the mix app guys. We've done it where we've brought them all up to the Kansas City area to kind of get them in one place, but we found that it's really more beneficial just to keep them in their their home areas for the most part, let them go out and do their normal thing. And so um, our scale houses will be open, which is really about the only difference that we we have because we have guys doing the same thing during road check that we do every other day of the year. And uh, we have full-time truck guys. A lot of times there's kind of this big myth or – Um, kind of a misunderstanding that we think all of a sudden now everybody comes out of the woodwork to do their job, which really isn't the case. Uh, We're doing the same thing every, you know, that's a three-day thing. The other 362 days of the year, or 363, I guess, for this year since it's a leap year, we're doing the same thing anyway. We're out enforcing the law. We're uh, inspecting vehicles that need to be inspected, some because we've observed a violation, there's been a traffic violation, or a lot of them are just random inspections. It just happens to be the next truck so we're doing the same thing, we just collect that data, actually the feds collect the data for us now, and uh, we may have a specific focus. Uh, some years it's brakes, or tires, or level ones, or level threes, or something like that. But um, yeah, I'll be out, uh, I should be out doing that. We kind of block that on our, on our calendar, I'll probably be mobile some, and maybe some at our way stations. It just kind of depends on what I'm feeling that day for the most part.
1: Pardon the time travel again, as it were. Wright wouldn't get to do those things as part of the then-scheduled road check event, though he and others may yet. Last I've heard from CVSA, the Alliance was set to discuss potential rescheduling of the three-day inspection event later this month, so stay tuned. I then turned the conversation back to the stated focus of the road check inspection event for the year, that Level 3 driver inspection.
2: This year, I think the the stated, or the... Announced sort of focus is, is some somewhat broad, but it just has to do with uh, Things that relate directly to the driver and I think particularly the the kind of credentialing um, Checks that you get with a, uh, with a Level three and medical cards and, and also hours of service but, um, Is you know does that uh, when, when they put a focus on it on it like that at that uh, national level announced by CBSA Is that changing? Uh, how you guys uh, approach it. Uh, are you going to be doing more level threes versus level one for inspection kind of thing or, or not really? You know?
0: Yeah, since the focus is more driver focused, there'll probably be more level threes done, I would think, than level ones, where I think two years sure. ago, the focus was tires. And so obviously, you have to do a level one or a level two if you're going to focus on tires. Yeah. So this year, there'll probably be more level threes, I think, because we still get people up to speed on, after the ELD mandate, get them into compliance. We still have, we're still find a lot of drivers that are not operating on ELDs who are supposed to be, uh, just a misunderstanding of what system they're on or what system they're supposed to be on, and even just some of those littler things like the onboard information they have to have with the ELDs. There's four things that they have to have that goes along with their ELD. They need to have their user's manual. They need to have an instruction sheet that explains how to transfer their ELD file to enforcement. They need to have an instruction sheet that tells them what to do in case of a malfunction, which is really pretty simple. They notify their carrier in writing within 24 hours and switch to paper logs. And then the fourth thing is that blank supply graph grids. And a lot of those things, drivers don't realize that they're contained with the device when they get it, as far as in the user's manual or even electronically and so they do have to have those four things they're pretty simple i always tell drivers just put it in a ziploc bag or a, an envelope put it in your door pouch or your visor and just leave it there and that way you've got everything in one place really easy to find as far as anything else to expect the inspection itself itself isn't going to change any it's a systematic inspection we teach across all of north america and at the level three is a 13-step inspection we're like you said we're checking the driver credentials the driver's license medical certificates if they need a skills performance evaluation, anything, you know, the SPE, their record duty status, the annual inspection on the truck and trailer, if they have multiple trailers, each unit has to have its own annual. And that is part of a level three inspection also. Yep. So being, being prepared and, and just knowing where your documents are, how to operate your ELD will make the inspection go quicker, get you on down the road faster. It'll get you, if it is a roadside inspection, it'll get you off the shoulder quicker which is safer for everybody and it'll get you to your destination so you can get that next load delivered sooner than later.
2: During road check it's uh, more than likely that uh, most of these inspections will occur at the scales? Yeah I would
0: say it depends on the state of course. In our state we have a handful of scales but um, we're not overly staffed at those, but a lot of times we will have other guys from other areas drive in to work at those scales for those few days. So there'll be a lot done at the weigh stations, but there will be uh, plenty of roadside too, I'm sure. I know some states don't even have weigh stations, so that's all they do is roadside inspections. So not much will really change for those states.
2: You know, you mentioned the uh, uh, finding the misunderstanding about uh, some of the devices that are out there, do you find are you finding still a lot of folks running uh, uh, using uh, ELDs that are actually not up to that ELD spec, but that are still those previous generation uh, AOBRD uh, spec devices?
0: We are. We're still finding some okay. that are operating under AOBRDs and even the electronic logging software because some of the devices, especially the ones that it's just an app that you download on your phone, they look almost identical, and so you have to yep. you have to kind of look through the device to figure out exactly which device it is, whether it's ELD or AOBRD. And the other thing we found is that some folks, it may be a difference of what what payment plan they've set up on with that ELD provider, or what um, what kind of service they're really paying for. And if they don't pay for the ELD service, it may kick them back down to an AOBRD. And the the driver hasn't even realized or the carrier hasn't realized it. So they need to make sure that they're on the right device, so that um, they don't end up being non-compliant, and uh, worst case, end up getting put out of service for not being on the right device.
2: And last year, during road check, I, I wonder, I wonder if this kind of thing had a had, had something to do with the fact that last year um, all the, the the biggest out of service. Uh, category uh, for violations uh, during road check was uh, hours of service related things, uh, related violations uh, though the, the stated focus of road check last year was had to do with steering components. But yeah even though steering was the focus last year
0: part of a level one or a level two is going to be yep. the record of duty status also so if yep. even though we may be stopping it to check the steering and everything else that we're going to check the hours of service. And so that was still kind of early on in the ELD mandate. We were about a year and a half in or so. Um, So we were still fighting those battles of which device are we on. So I'm hoping that this year those numbers will be way down and, and people will be in compliance with it. And um not have to get put out of service. So that is probably what the deal is. I think there is a misunderstanding. I've done a lot of talks with carriers and safety presentations to them and over the last couple of years and it's it's been a struggle on both sides on industry and enforcement to get everybody up to speed to understand what the difference is and and kind of how to navigate those different devices. There's over 500 different devices at last check. So it can be a little bit tricky on our end even to see well, is
2: this an ELD AOBRD? Or what are we operating on at this time? Yeah, and I I think uh, probably even this time last year um, when road check happened, uh, I guess it, it wasn't we weren't at the point where we needed a full ELD at this point. But a lot of I I remember I had, I've written I wrote about this several times um, in the early days of the mandate and before it came into effect. Um, but I, a lot of a lot of guys out there uh, were under the impression that, uh, that any kind of electronic logging software constituted an AOBRD, and uh, and that just wasn't the case. And I uh, wonder if that probably that may have added some of that to those numbers last uh,
0: Yeah, you're right. With the three different types, the ELD, the AOBRD, and the logging software really that logging software is just a glorified paper log. It's, it's uh, treated just the same as a paper log essentially, except that the driver does have to have the ability to print it and sign it daily, either if they're not using electronic signatures, which most of them are, they have to print it and sign it every single day, just like you would a paper log. If they're electronically sign it, they just have to have the ability to print if we ask them to print it. Um, now we are only asking to print if there is a valid violation in the log book. We don't, ask them to print just to see if they can print, fishing for some reason to put them out of service or something. That's not how we operate. But if we have a violation in the logbook, just like with a paper log, we'd like to have a copy of that to keep uh, with our inspection. Then uh, we're going to ask them for the ability to print. If they don't have a printer, then they're going to end up getting stuck where they're at and uh, but it's just like having a not just like not having your previous seven days of your paper log at that point. But they have to be able to print it. It's a common misconception. I find it a lot actually with the drive away companies as the the folks who they may fly around the country and jump into a truck and go deliver it across the across the nation. Well, obviously, we wouldn't expect them to have an ELD in some truck they're delivering or a school bus or a fire truck but they still have to run a log book. So they either need a paper log or if they're gonna use that electronic logging software, they do have to have a printer with it. And that's all that's under a, 395.8, I believe it's question 28 talks about that in the interpretation question. Okay. So that's a common one though. You're right that there's a misconception just between those things that people think, well, gosh, it's electronic, it must be the right thing when it's really not. Right. You know,
2: and, and just in general terms, when you're you know, when, you, when you're giving uh, you know, advice to folks, or thinking about uh, how drivers and my, our readers, Overdrive readers, are, are uh, principally owner operators, uh, and um, but you know, there's a lot of uh, drivers and, and leased guys, and independents, it, all among them, uh, sure. and small fleet owners and stuff, but. No, when you when it comes to you know, just the like, everyday routine and/or slightly less routine preparations for uh, uh, getting ready for you know the possibility of inspection. Of course, which could occur at any time. But um, you know, what's your what's your you know, best advice to, to folks on what to do that may, that might be kind of outside of the norm of you know just doing the pre-trips. And, um, you know, routine inspections of the equipment, uh, things like
0: that. Well, I would usually tell them, make sure that they have really done a proper pre-trip. I, you know, I know they may not do as thorough of a pre-trip inspection as they did when they got their CDL and every little nut and bolt here and there and pointing everything out. But make sure you're checking your tires. Make sure you check your lights. And I find, too, not as much here recently, but several years ago when the, the pre-trip button kind of came out on a lot of the, the newer trucks. Drivers were just pushing that button, which just cycles through the lights, and it checks the bolt, but it's not actually checking the switch. So then somebody makes a lane change, and their turn signal doesn't come on because the switch is bad. So make sure they're actually checking those. I know it takes a little bit extra work, a little more effort, but check them with the actual switch. Hit your left and your right signal. Check your tires, your wheel fasteners. Actually get down and turn those wheel fasteners. Well, I hope they don't turn, actually. Check them and make sure that they're they're secure. <laughs> Um, I've been amazed at even some of the I mean, I've had hazmat carriers, cargo tank carriers with loose wheel fasteners and and drivers just didn't catch it during a pre trip inspection and that's that's a big deal those they call them wheel off incidents when a wheel flies off, and we've all seen the videos of what happens when that happens, so we don't want that um checking your even your little things, wiping your license plates off, especially if you have guys who are driving dump trucks and off road kind of stuff, things like that, get those license plates the markings on the truck cleaned off. It's just one less thing for somebody to see and think, well, gosh, I can't read his tag. I guess I'll stop him and do an inspection as opposed to driving by. And, you know, as we're going down the highway, we may just kind of drive by a truck, give it a once over. We don't see anything as we're driving, move on to the next truck. And uh, kind of the same thing we do when we're doing any kind of traffic enforcement, whether it's cars or trucks. So if we already see a violation, if you're, it's kind of like that sore thumb, if that sore sore thumb is sticking out there, you're probably going to, see that thing more than when well, that thing looks like it's a pretty uh, nondescript vehicle I don't really see anything wrong so I'll go on to the next one that maybe maybe needs my attention more so uh, like I said a lot of stops are just random but make sure that you're just prepared make sure you know where your fire extinguisher is where your triangles are make sure you check those things that's actually part of the pre-trip inspection that they're properly secured they're mounted in the truck they've got a visual indicator they're the right size and type and you can actually get to them and they're not buried somewhere they shouldn't be buried and you can't even get to them so just knowing how to operate your eld how to get those those four in vehicle items i mentioned before all those little things will make the inspection go smoother for you it'll be faster get you on down the road faster and and hopefully get you out of there with no violations and maybe if it's a level one even that that much-sought-after decal on your windshield that says you passed with no critical defects.
2: Those stickers uh, have been uh, a <laughs> point of much uh, much conversation over the years with uh, the readership, you know. Uh, you know they, they, I always hear the, the complaint, well, they said they were out of them, you know, I didn't get one. That is true. That does yeah.
0: that does happen, and the reason behind that is that each state has to pay for those from CVSA, yeah. and so we only purchase a certain number, and we spend a lot of money on them in the year uh, as far as how many we buy. I can't tell you exactly how many we buy offhand, but they're only issued on a level one or a level five inspection, which a level five is a terminal inspection, so if we're doing a, a level one or a level, if we're only doing a level two roadside, you don't qualify for a, for a decal, right. so it has to be a level one. Uh, we have not just the Highway Patrol that does inspections in Kansas, but we also have quite a few local inspectors. But our local inspectors are just issued a handful of those decals, so they may have used them up on the first the first four trucks they checked. And if they only had four stickers, then that's all they're going to have for the rest of the quarter. I mean, we have some of our local inspectors that do two, three hundred inspections a year, but then they're only getting issued maybe. 20 or 30 decals for, for the the uh, the whole year, and they're getting them by quarter. So that's why uh, a lot of times we are out of them. I mean, even I'm a full-time yeah. truck guy. I get more than that, and I still run out of them. So, um, yeah. And, again, if they have any critical defects, we can't issue the decal. So if they had a tire violation or certain lights, like turn signals, yeah. headlights, taillights, wheels, any of that,
2: they don't get the decal. The whole issue of annotation. and right. I, thought, I mean, you gave a great little description of, you know, what you would be looking for, um, you know, to just basically confirm uh, whatever is noted in an annotation on a log where an error was made. Uh, We had that, you know, (laughs) that perfect little scenario where a guy in the back of a truck stop wakes up, uh, urgent need to use facilities, drives the truck closer to the truck stop because it's snowing out or whatever the case is and uh and drives back and then goes oh i didn't use personal conveyance and now i've got this stain on my uh log and you know what do i do there my 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 question was you know when you when you're talking to to a driver you know is is there any sort of recommended way to handle these uh annotations um uh, any you know any things that they can do to just kind of help ease the uh, the situation for a uh, roadside when something like that is present and inspection and occurs.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just be open and honest and upfront and tell us about it. There's yeah. uh, I I can't stand being lied to. I mean, I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with and I just want to uh, go on, you know, I got a job to do. Our drivers have jobs to do and we're supposed to be in this thing together. And if you make a mistake, just let us know right away. I've had guys you, you know, pull them in or you stop them on the side of the road and ask for the logbook and they say, Hey man, it's not current. I forgot to update it until I saw your lights come on. I didn't want to be right when you walked up here. And I we prefer that much more than the guy who's trying to lean over and scribble in his logbook as we're walking up to the to the truck. So just let us know, hey, I was in the truck stop last night. I, I had an issue. I knew I wasn't gonna make it if I tried to walk all the way across the truck stop through my truck and gear. I was I had a one track mind. I forgot to Forgot to put it in PC, and now you see this little 15-minute blip where I went from from sleeper berth to driving or on duty, and it screws up my 10-hour break. So we're going to look. We can look and see, well, what was the GPS location? What was the mileage on the truck? The mileage probably isn't going to change. If anything, a tenth of a mile or so. We're going to be able to see that and see that yeah. you weren't out driving around delivering a load or doing something else. So we're going to look for those things, but just let us know, you know, hey, I messed this day up here. Just so you're aware, here's what happened. Put an annotation in there. Forgot to switch to PC due to restroom break or something like that. And and uh, you know we're not we're really not out here trying to to make it hard on drivers. We're just here to verify compliance with all the federal regulations and get everybody from point A to point B safely.
2: Do you see? I mean, I've heard from uh, some operators that um, that they, they they say that there are. Some variations in how various ELD providers interpret the the ability to to kind of fix that error um, and reclassify an automatically recorded driving event to say PC or ER yard, but I wonder if they may be looking at devices or hearing about devices that are still that are AOBRDs there, Um, and I, I don't know. Have you? You guys come across uh, devices that are purported ELDs uh, that actually do allow you to reclassify that. I'm sure it would keep a record of it and you guys would be able to see that. But, um, I'm just thinking, you know, for editing purposes from the, from the driver or fleet manager. Yeah, and as, as we kind of
0: talked, you know, the ELD mandate is supposed to prohibit them from editing the driving line. So right. I can't necessarily think of a specific incident where... I've noted one that is truly an ELD that's that's been edited on the driving line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of that, there could be something going on behind the scenes, or maybe, like you said, it's not truly an ELD. It might be an old AOBRD, yeah. or it's even in the logging software, so so that, that means- be... That somebody
2: thinks it's an ELD, so they're talking about it that way, yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's right. They use a a generic term of maybe e-log, which really e-log isn't anything. It's either ELD, AOBRD, or logging software, but you kind of use that just to lump all those electronic devices into one. So that's probably what that is. Like you said, it's really not truly an ELD if you're editing the driving line.